2: at LuckyLandSlots.com
1: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Hi folks. Some very sad news today for the Rangers family of the passing of Eric Caldo at the age of 84. Mr. Caldo was born in Cumnick in May 1934 and he signed as a schoolboy for Rangers in 1948, aged 14. Returning to the club from a loan to Muirkick Juniors Mr Caldo signed his full-time contract aged 18 in 1952 and a year later would start for manager Bill Struth in a 4-2 League Cup win over Ayr in September 1953. Mr Caldo would go on to play a total of 407 competitive games for the club, playing in some of the greatest Rangers teams to ever take the field. Equally exceptional in either flank, Mr Caldo used a footballing brain ahead of its time to read the play of the game rather than committing to tackles. And over time, would take his rightful place alongside other legends such as Woodburn, Cox, Waddle, Shearer, Ritchie, McKinnon, Baxter, Greg, Henderson, Miller, Brand and Wilson. He finished his Rangers career in the summer of 1966, aged 32 having won five league titles, three Scottish Cups and two League Cups. He was the first captain of Rangers ever to appear in a European Cup final and was the first Rangers player to play at the World Cup finals in Sweden in 1958. For his country, he won 40 Scotland caps, 14 as captain. He never once received a booking and he never once scored from open play but managed to find the net 25 times from the penalty spot, relinquishing this responsibility only to the penalty king, Johnny Hubbard. And but for a horrific triple leg fracture suffered at Wembley whilst at the peak of his career, Mr Caldo would have surely added to the caps and club appearances he had already so deservedly achieved. Club chairman Dave King led tributes to Mr Caldo today saying Eric was a player who could easily be described as heroic and came to epitomise the standards, characteristics and values associated with this club. Greatest of a ranger John Gregg also echoed this. Eric was an absolute gentleman and such a likeable chap. You can't play over 400 times for rangers and not be something special and he definitely helped me a lot when I was a young boy at the club. He was a class act and the biggest compliment you can give Eric is that a lot of people outside the club when they saw him would say that's Eric Caldo of Rangers. A true hero, a husband, a father, a gentleman, and a legend, Mr. Caldo is also an inductee in both the Rangers and Scotland Hall of Fame. He'll be sorely missed by the Rangers family, and I speak for everyone at Heart and Hand when I give our sincere condolences to his
1: family and friends at this very, very sad time. Welcome to
0: Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast the podcast that thinks that your mod jokes were funny back in the 1980s when certain clubs were still relevant. This week on Heart and Hand, did we get an asbo about the music labels from the compliance officer? <laughs> Hello, welcome to Heart and Hand. Uh, My name is Cameron Bell. I am your host for this week. Uh, I am standing in for our beloved David Edgar, who at this point in time is flying back to the UK after a phenomenal Orsah convention where David was exposed to the sun and also had to exercise. So I very much doubt that we're going to see him back here in one piece. Uh, This week on Heart and Hand, we're going to talk about the Aberdeen game. I am not allowed to do this without adult responsibility, so I brought along a couple of guests. Uh, the first of which is our tactics gimp, Mr. Adam Thornton. Adam, how are you?
2: I'm not sure I'm an adult, but I'm very well, thank you.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, and completing this uh, this group of uh, autumn sunset haired uh, podders is our very own Andy McGowan. Andrew, how are you this evening?
1: I'm Very good. Do you see how Adam didn't deny he was a gimp?
0: Oh, aye, no, aye. Not the Not the first <laughs> thing to do there as well. Okay, boys. So we've got a little bit to get through, so we will get cracking. So obviously Rangers um, had the misfortune of having to visit Pottodry yesterday um, in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup for a, a one-all draw. Both Adam and Andy were both there. I assume that you both made it out all right. No injuries or anything like that. <laughs> I was fine. I don't know about
1: we Adam, but
2: no, I was absolutely brand new. The bus was in the all right. bus was in the bus park for a bit longer than I'd have liked, but yes, eh, home in one piece.
0: Excellent, excellent Right, okay, so um, The manager had said in his his pre-match On Friday that there was going to be a big focus On Alfredo Morelos And Scott McKenna in this game The manager described it as box office And wanted to be able to see those two players Being able to try and have a proper go at each other And sure enough right Straight away from the the, the beginning of the game Kevin Clancy gives a foul against Alfredo Morelos uh, We're about 80 seconds Into the game at this point point. Um, and then we are still pretty much kind of taking our seats at this stage because uh, eight minutes in is the first opening kind of opportunity uh, Connor Goldson is forced to deal with a through ball to Gary McKay-Steven as it's hit down a channel um, Goldson goes to ground I think in an attempt to be able to slide and try and clear the ball he uh, clips McKay-Steven and kind of the back of the heel he goes down and a penalty is awarded boys do you think that that was a fair decision i'll come to adam first uh,
2: yes i do uh, i think it was a penalty um it's it's a bit of a fuck up on, on our part i think obviously Candace gets the ball on the halfway line and, and he gets closed down quite well tav goes to to overlap him but Candace doesn't use his left foot but for whatever reason gets gets caught in a ankle uh low i think it is takes the ball off him and, and advances and then it's, it's a decent ball in but goldson needs to commit to clearing that ball quicker than he does Warhol needs to shout as well and let him know that someone's coming, I'm not quite sure what Goulton's up to, I don't know why he went to ground but he seemed to be on the ground for an eternity uh, before he was I think deciding to hook it away I'm not sure why he went to ground but obviously by the time he, he got to the ball Mackay Stephen had nipped in, in front of him and Goulton wasn't aware of it but he takes him out in the penalty box
0: And a penalty, a fair award?
1: Uh, it was absolutely a penalty I've got a wee bit of sympathy for Goldson, I thought, um, I thought it was just one of the things, he's, he's got a clear sight of the ball, Mackay um, Stevens kind of blindsided him, he's fast, we know that, and he just getting in front of him and it clips him, so, and I've heard it said that Worel should have shouted, but I think was going to be watching and expecting Goldson to get the ball, so um, it was definitely a penalty, but I don't think it was, a, I wouldn't blame Goldson for it.
0: Well, um, there's a little bit of a kind of delay because mckay Stephen is legitimately hurt um, and receives treatment um, before Sam Cosgrove can put the ball on the spot. He he does so after some protestations from Alan McGregor, rightfully so, because it looks like the ball is about six inches off the spot, in my opinion, but hey-ho. Um, Colesgrove hits a powerful shot down towards uh, McGregor's left-hand lower corner. He does get a touch in it. Um, and he is unlucky to keep it out. You can see his frustration. Um, as soon as the ball goes in, he's punching the ground. Uh, Adam, he's, he's unlucky, but this is a terrible start, and straight away we've got a job on our hands.
2: It is. We hadn't started very well as it was, um, but he's very unlucky getting that. Also, I don't know why that has crept in in probably the last 10 years or so that you're allowed to put the ball as pretty much only a little part of the ball was allowed to be on the spot or in the corner for uh, corner kicks and stuff it's very strange I don't know why I don't really see the point in it um but McGregor's right the ball's nearly what half a yard probably further than than you would expect it to be it is still slightly on the spot but surely that's an advantage it seems bizarre um it's it's a decent penalty actually and McGregor does very very well to guess and he just can't get the full hand on it but yeah Eight minutes gone, 1-0 down. We've not really, you can usually tell we not in the first five minutes or so whether we're up for it. It didn't look like we were. Um, and losing the goal at that time was not good at all.
0: Andy, we're out of sorts now because if you look at our last um, few games, we've had the blistering start. All of a sudden now we're taking a taste of our own medicine.
1: Aye. Before the game, I mean, uh, I was a wee bit pessimistic because we've not we've no really put four games together all season. So there was always a potential at the beginning of this game, and this is our usual fourth game blues kind of thing. And um, although the, the, the start, the first five minutes or whatever it was, it was, it was fairly even. The penalty, clearly a penalty, and you're behind the eight ball to start with, and your mind starts playing tricks in you because you're thinking, if they get another goal, this is all over. Our seasons are over. And uh, we, we did well to dig in, to be honest, because uh, uh, for most of that first half, Aberdeen had the majority of the momentum. Uh, the pitch was not conducive to the way we want to play football. That's that's another debate altogether. And the hyper-physicality that I bore people to death with every week whenever I'm on the, the flagship or whenever I get a chance to express myself was in evidence again. And again, Scottish referees let it happen. Um, so it was a tough, tough game for us. What I do like about us now is that we do seem to be able to be resilient enough to withstand the physicality, uh, regardless what team it is we're playing.
0: Well, 30 minutes later, Alfredo Morelos is through on goal after a great through ball from, from Arfield and um, puts in a low drive down towards the keeper's left to test Lewis, who saves it. Um, and then a minute after that, um, and Andy, I'd like to get your thoughts on this Alfredo Morelos is uh, in a tussle with Considy. Um, he goes to ground easily, shall we say, and Kevin Clancy immediately produces a yellow card for diving. Was that deserved, in your opinion, Mr McGowan?
1: I, I think it was. I think it did go down very, very easily. However, however, we've got to look at the context, because this is what does my, nut, my nutting, is that um, things happen in football games that involve Alfredo Morelos that you can't explain because people around him, or in the park, get away with things that he doesn't. People get allowed to do things to him, which other people don't get allowed to do to other players. And it's, I don't think it's blue to glasses. It, it, it is, for me, undeniable. If you rewind a wee bit before that actual incident, because um, Morelos, in the first, uh, I don't know, in the first couple of minutes, I think he had a decision against him in the box, a corner kick, I think it was, and Glancy gave, gave it against him, and, and Morales gave Glancy the biggest mouthful of Spanish swear words you've probably ever heard. And you see, after that, Glancy gave him absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, to the point where I said to my, my wife yesterday, "This is—he's deliberately not giving him a fucking thing." Um, the, the, the dive itself, there was contact. If you look at it again. Uh, Considine's got his arms up and around him. Um, just enough to be the right side I not getting away a penalty because I know refs will no get a soft penalty for that. But it should be spotted. If it was spotted, in Morelis Disney native need to go to ground. What Morelis is doing there is throwing himself the ground and say, for fuck's sake, you don't see those guys get a hold of me. So I think it probably was a dive. I think it probably was a year I cared if it was the other way about. I'd be saying it was. But my point I would make to you, Cammie, because you're the ref, is... I think he's getting refereed to a different standard. I don't think there's any question about it whatsoever.
0: I It seems very easy to to book Alfredo Morelos in Scotland.
2: It does, and it's frustrating. I noticed it a lot in in this game. Um, I felt for him a wee bit, if I'm honest, because as Andy said, that's a that's a that's a dive. However, at one point the the defender has has both hands on him. So if he if he feels that contact from behind, he's I mean, you're going down anticipating something, aren't you? But, but he feels that contact there, so probably he's within his rights to think there's contact there I can drop. However, when you actually see it in real time, it is just a kind of hands on his back and then he collapses. So, so yeah, it's a it's a booking. However, um, I was quite annoyed with, with the referee in this game, particularly around Morelos. I felt like he just was deliberately not giving him anything and Morelos was obviously getting quite frustrated and I felt like it really, it went the other way. Usually in, in these games he doesn't get anything and he then tries almost too hard to get in front and, and too hard to be physical and, and it, it backfires on him pretty much every game this season. But I felt yesterday he kind of started playing within himself a little bit um, yeah. and there was, there was opportunities that he would normally eat up um, he, he was just not pulling out of but he was just a bit reticent and, and I think the yellow card played in his mind I think he was more concerned with not letting the referee send him off than, than he was with actually using his physicality the way the way that he does and and to be honest the stage we're at in the season and everything that's happened to him this season I can't really blame him it's just a shame that it, it dulled his edge a bit in this game
0: Well on the half hour um, Greg Stewart whips in a cross from a free kick that was conceded by Ryan Jack on a foul on shinny McKenna rises up to meet it and clips it off the top of our bar Um, as it turns out that's a wonder save apparently as Kevin Clancy (laughs) who already at this point is covering himself in glory decides to give a corner Alan McGregor also decides to let him know exactly what's going on with it Um, he doesn't get a touch in that Adam does he?
2: No, no chance. Um, even from, from where I was standing, i, I seen it hits the bar and McGregor's nowhere near it. And you can see McGregor is absolutely fuming um, with the referee and the linesman, but but nothing happens, obviously.
0: Um, a few minutes after that, a Niall McGinn shot. Niall McGinn came on at this point for Gary McKay-Steven, who had to be taken off for the aforementioned injury in the penalty award. The shot goes high over the bar after Shinny's original shot has been blocked by us. Um, Ryan Kent, is able to get in the, the end of a great counter move and, and unfortunately fails to force a save from Lewis. And then when we're on 40 minutes, um, a really great actual through ball is a high ball by Conor Goldson drops nicely for Daniel Kandias, who is going through, unfortunately pulls it wide. Um, because of the Mackay steven injury, um, we've had three minutes of injury time at the end of the first half. And uh, this was probably our best chance of the half, in my opinion. There's some great work by Scott Arfield to be able to try and create a move, Tav Ops, and, um, and it has the goal at his mercy, however, decides at this stage, rather than shooting, is to, to pass it to Morelos, and it's scurped on Russian Aberdeen defender, and that is pretty much the last uh, action of the half. Adam, James Tavenier, is your man, why did he not shoot?
2: I think it was because it was on his left foot but it's quite annoying that he chose that pass I mean obviously he's not got eyes in the back of his head but if, right behind him, five yards behind him Ryan Kent is in absolute acres of space Um, all he has to do is kind of take that touch set himself in the box and, and play it whatever way he wants but I think he just got a bit of a nosebleed up there Um, he, he needs to burst that with his left foot however it's his weaker foot he's maybe not comfortable but we had two shots in target in the whole game. Um, we've seen the last couple of weeks how we hit a shot from outside the box and we're actually not bad at it when we actually hit them. For me, this was obviously just inside the box, but he just needs to blitter it and, and see what happens, to be honest. And
0: you're you know, the eternal optimist. What's the feeling in the stands at this point? Is it arse clenching time or do we expect to see a rocket from the manager move us up a gear?
1: I think it's realism. I mean, I think we, uh, well, I, I can only speak for myself, but at I, I half-time I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh, there's seasons on the line here. And uh, you, you, you're thinking to yourself, well, we can't be any worse than we were in the first half um, and we're only a goal down. And you've got to hope that Gerard is putting things right in the dressing room. Uh, I, I kind of half expected, maybe it's just my kind of football support or knee I was half expecting a change of some sort because I didn't think it was working for us in the first half at all. Especially in the middle of the park, um, but when they came back out uh, and there was no change, then you've got to presume horses have been kicked and uh, kind of standards have been um, re-established. So, uh, I, I was worried at half time. I've got to say because there's always a danger because Aberdeen are so good at set pieces and that's their kind of the way they play and what they play for. There's always a danger no matter how good you are playing. That they get one free kick, one corner kick and the damage you, um because they've got guys like McKenna Considine in the team and they've, they've got decent delivery into the box as well. So I was worried.
0: Well, um, if standards have changed in the second half, it hasn't come from Kevin Clancy who at this point decides to give another foul against Alfredo Morelos uh, to the decision of Aberdeen. Um, however, um, on 48 minutes, Rangers probably do get the ideal start that they were looking for as a Ryan Kent corner is met at the back post by Joe Warrell, who gives a brilliant side-foot finish past Lewis, draws this level, and it's Warrell's first goal for Rangers. Um, it's no football and cliché. You know, it's exactly the response the manager was expecting. But, Andy, uh, that's a great finish for a centre-half, is it not? I mean, it's a great finish anyway, but it's a great finish for a centre-half. Aye.
1: No, it is. And, um, I mean, I think Warrell deserves a bit of... Not, not a bit of credit. I think that Warrell deserves a lot of credit because ever since his aberration at Rugby Park... He's been absolutely superb. Um, I think we forget he's only 21. I think uh, the one criticism that I'd had of him and, and Goldson is that when we're in a game that we're not making chances or clear-cut chances, I always like to think that your centre-halves can chip in with a goal here or there at a set-piece because I don't think we do that enough. So I actually to the guy beside me uh, fucking world needs to get to see the end of one of his corners. He's not done all a season, and he did, and it, and it was a fantastic finish. To, we got a wee bit of block, a wee bit of luck because the two Aberdeen players kind of blocked themselves, uh, which gave him a free run at the back post. But the fact he took it so calmly, but that wee kind of kind of hitch kick that did, um, it was a good finish, and it, I think he got it right up the Aberdeen fans, which get some extra bonus points for me.
0: Adam, undoubtedly, you were going crazy at this point. I've got to assume. You're saying, well, that's us. We can kick on from this now and, and get second,
2: and hopefully take control of the game. Do you know, I wasn't even thinking about it to be honest. Just to back up what Andy was saying at half time, I kind of felt exactly the same as him. I, I was annoyed we were so bad. That was up there with the worst first halves we've I've, we've had this season. We, I think we don't with strong three passes together. Um, I was annoyed that we let Aberdeen dictate how the game should be played in the first half. Midfield couldn't go in the ball, supply the forwards. We Created next to nothing. Um, And I also agree with Andy. I thought I was quite surprised there wasn't a change. Arfield was pretty anonymous in the first half. He didn't look fit. He never really looks fit, does he? But he never looked fit at all. Um, And barring that little move um, to flick the ball over the head for Tab's shot, he was anonymous. I thought he'd come off and we might go to four or something. But we never, and I can understand why we never. um, I think the manager always wants to let the players make amends, if you like, rightly or wrongly. So I think if it went in near the 15, 20 minutes of the, the second half without a goal, um, we would have um, made a change there and maybe went a bit more four four two. 4 had Lafferty or Defoe coming on. But we got the goal. Uh, it was a great ball over from Kent. Kamara did well to block off ball on the goalkeeper. Um, the two Aberdeen players blocked, himself, blocked themselves off and it was a really, really good finish. Uh, and Andy's spot on since that Kilmarnock howler-Worrell has been top class. Um, it was actually Goldson who was a poor defender yesterday for me um, at this point, Cammy in a roundabout way, I was just so relieved given how terrible we have been that we were back in the game, it probably took me 5 or 10 minutes to actually focus again
0: James Forrest said yesterday in the post-match a really great point, which I think he, he said that it felt like we were running through treacle in the first half, and I think that this, this kind of moved us out of that, that kind of it just felt too slow, it felt too cagey and, and, and this kind of opened us up a little bit. Um, On 52 minutes, uh, Conor McLennan is booked for simulation after attempting to come into the box. Joe Worrell sticks out a leg, withdraws it really quickly. Kevin Clancy takes his time and then decides that um, it's actually possible to book another player other than Alfredo Morelos. Um, and I think, Andy, you kind of touched on this point earlier on about the refereeing standard etc. Now, uh, I've had the opportunity to see this back a couple of times. And the comparison within which he produces the yellow card for Morelos versus producing it for McLennan is, it feels like half an hour. He really, really has to think about this before he then produces a card to give him a a caution for it. Is that what you're alluding to when you're talking about that, that refereeing to a different standard?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> so what was that? Well, I actually thought that instant, uh, I'll give Glancy credit for that because I thought it was a penalty for where I was standing and I was like, oh, fucking hell, we've just got away with one there. But, so I actually think it was a really good call for Glancy for that in particular because um, it, just the way Waddle stuck his leg in and back out, it, it, it could have been quite easily perceived to have been contact. So I actually think that was a good call. What I was, what I was referring to earlier on, Cammy, was... Uh, things like um, a long ball to Morelis with a centre his back and he'll get barged and there's no foul. Whereas if that happens at the other end of the park, it's a foul. So ju- I'm just talking about normal combat within a game. Morelis was not getting decisions from him. I think it was about the 85th minute before we got a decision against him. Uh, if, sorry for him. Um, whereas the likes of Cosgrove and other players around the park were getting decisions that, he business that that was what I was looking to, to be honest, Cammy.
0: I think Adam, the, the, the kind of fear for me at this stage when I'm watching this is I'm thinking that Clancy, Clancy has to stop the game because there isn't, he doesn't give the free kick for a foul or he doesn't stop the game immediately. He actually waits a, a good few seconds and then he stops it and realises actually I've got to give him a card here. Um, and it just felt to me as if there was a lot more thought process in the McLaren booking as opposed to the Mireille Loss one. Is that maybe just because as And as Andy's alluding to there, it, it could be construed as potentially a foul, not a foul
2: is that would you I, have the no, same opinion? I think so, yeah. I thought it was a it was a tighter call than uh than the loss one. Um they were obviously right in front of us, both of them. Uh, so seeing it in real time, I must admit, um I did have a wee bit of a when he went down but I, and i never really seen the context of Worrell putting his foot out or putting it back in I imagine that's only come out of replays so I think it's a good call I, I don't know whether he's still just processing it in his mind or, or maybe he's thinking of and even this up um, because of what's happened earlier on I'm not sure um, it, it definitely was a bit of a tighter call and I think I thought he was poor more than poor all, all game but I think that was one that he got just about right
0: OK well, just before the hour mark, Rangers arguably could be ahead now. It was more brilliant counter-attacking football. See Daniel is playing a fantastic ball to Ryan Kent. Kent is aware of the fact that he's got Scott Arfield behind him. Um, I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. I know that there has been some talk about it was a lucky touch or whatever, but I actually think he does a lovely back heel flick just to hold the ball up for Scott Arfield. Tries to chip it over Lewis and then kind of chip comes short. However, the arc is just slightly too high. Um, and goes over the bar. Um, Andy, you've um, played football against four-year-olds. Have you? Uh, <laughs> do you feel that Ryan Kent was was deliberately holding the ball up for him, or was that just a just a lucky touch? Uh, I think
1: uh, I think it was. I think he was trying to stole the ball for himself, which would have been an incredible skill to uh, pull off. But you've seen him do that kind of thing where he kind of does a, a movement where it's not quite a Johan Cruyff turn, but it's that kind of same kind of control in one movement so whatever way it worked it was it was fantastic anyway because what he did was he stopped the ball um, and gave either himself or Arfield as it was the opportunity to actually get a shot Arfield should have done better I felt um, and Adam I touched on it earlier on, Arfield's a key player for us because when you're playing Morelos up front of cell with two wide men Arfield is the supplementary striker in effect isn't he and for me he was he was kind of falling in both uh, both fronts. Midfield he was non-existent, and then going forward he was he was, he was near the air when balls were in the box and stuff like that. So when he gets a chance like that, I think that's uh, that's a kind of measure of whether you've got a top class number ten or whatever you want to call it. Um, that should be in the pokey, uh, and we would have won the, the match if that went in at that point in the game.
2: He frustrates me a wee bit, Andy. Uh, I think I said this on on I think it may have been tactics talk last week, but he's almost he's so close to being brilliant. Um, every game there's there's one or two little things that just almost come off. Um, every game pretty much he just misses it or, or he just misses a, a sitter, as we have seen. Was it uh, Dundee? It must have been. Um, there was a couple of chances where where he should have buried buried them and he never. Um, and then obviously he was out against Hamilton and scores a, a 20, 20 yarder. So he's he he is a bit of a, a bit of a mystery sometimes. I thought he was as I said, I thought he was really, really poor in the first half. He wasn't didn't really seem to know where he was playing um in the first half. In the second half he played so, so, so high. It was obviously a tactic by uh by Gerard to get him up and, and get him support on Morelos, but what that did was because Jack was way off it as well. Kamara was fine, not not terrible, not great, but there was just such a big disconnect in the midfield. And Cammy, that point that James made on on uh, post-match about running through treacle i think we caused that ourselves for for some reason aberdeen getting that early goal was the worst thing that can happen because they'll just effectively sit in um not not fully like backs to the wall but they'll sit in they'll let us have the ball goldson and war have the ball and just cut off the supply lines and we just still can't play through it we kind of thought we were over it with those three games although we did heavily caveat um, poor teams and, and down to 10 men etc the first time they come up against a, a relatively decent organised defensive team and um, we just revert to type and just start pinging balls and and losing challenges, etc. And then the second half, we do come back into it as you're talking about, um, but most of it's hitting on the counter, which we're great at anyway. It's it's because we've scored and Aberdeen are wanting to come out and wanting to bury it and and they're pushing forward. All our good chances are on the counter. Nothing comes from really, really good possession play or, or cutting them open. It's all Aberdeen pushing up and us hitting them on the counter. So I was frustrated at the way that we approached the game. And in the second half, that's just the way that we play. Um, in these type of games, but I was hoping we'd kind of go over it and we're trying something a bit different.
1: See, see the, the theme, sorry, Cammy, I See, the theme is in, in the games that we've played poorly or have struggled or laboured, you'll see your two centre-halves having an awful lot of the ball and you'll see the opposition team quite happy for that to happen. And for me, it, it, it really annoys me because what I think should be happening in those circumstances is that's where your, your centre-midfielders have to be actually brave enough to take the ball off the centre-halves. Maybe with a man at their back or whatever, but they need yep. to start facing the opposition team. So it was, it was starting to happen yesterday and, and Sunday, and, and what Jack was doing to counter it, he obviously was to get enough space in the middle of the He was falling very, very wide right to take the ball off the centre-halves, which is better than nothing, I suppose. Yep. But I think... There's a tendency for, and I think this comes for Gerard. I think Gerard says if the centre halves are going to the ball, midfielders, you split or you move out the road and it creates space in front of them, they should step into it. But you then go the two guys, and they're good football players or centre halves but they're no creative by any manner of means, and that's why you end up with chipped diagonal balls and balls into the box. And I, I think that's a problem for us. Your midfield really need to take the game with a scruffy neck when the game goes that way. Kamara seems to be the best at it as far as I can see because Jack was disappointed yesterday he was back taking a square pass and, and taking the safe route at all times I like to see them try and make a, make a yard get the ball forward through passes I know it's easy to say but that's what they need today the Rangers midfielders
0: Well speaking of problems problems now start coming back to us it's two minutes after that chance uh, Considine rises like a salmon unfortunately heads like a salmon from a McGinn cross as the ball goes across into the area it's sent back in by McKenna. Cosgrove's shot is blocked. Um, and much to the chagrin of the BBC Studio, Rangers clear the decks. McKenna's missing the target in the next attack as well with a header and Adam is it now back to Arse buttons making time? Um
2: kinda I, I guess, but I think from about twenty minutes twenty minutes to go. Um pretty much just after this, I think their heads kinda their heads kinda drop. Um As far as I'm concerned, maybe just after the the shiny yellow card, uh, which I'm sure we'll come on to, uh, and we're kind of picking them off on the counter at will. Um, There's a few scrambles, like you say, a great save from McGregor, but I actually thought if anybody was likely to score in the first 10 or 15 minutes, it would have been us, um, which might have been a bit of a surprise, uh, but we had a couple of decent chances and we were keeping Kent and Morelos up there and using Kandias as the the support. Um, So... At this point, yeah, there was a bit of squeaky bum but over the next few minutes or so I felt like it was only going to be us if we were actually going to to go on and win it.
0: Well, I'm going to probably combine both of these incidents because I think yet again Kevin Clancy's put himself right at the centre of it. 72 minutes, um, sees Cosgrove book for a high arm uh, on Borna Barisic. As he turns and sees Barisic coming towards him and then the creation gets an elbow straight in the mouth. Cosgrove again cautioned for that. However, two minutes after that, as Adam's just alluded to, Shinny's booked for a high challenge in Scott Arfield that only seems to be a red card if you're a Rangers goalkeeper. At this stage, Max Lowe then comes in and pushes Arfield as he's on the deck, and Glenn Kamara steps in, defending his teammate. So we've got a booking for Cosgrove, a yellow card for for Shinny, no cards for Lowe and Kamara. Andy, you've spoke a lot about referees. What's your thoughts? Was that all the correct decision? Should there have been... Any more cards or change of colours?
1: So, uh, again, I'll go back to the context of the game. Scottish referees and, and Scottish football in general has an issue where it's still the only place in the world bar the Irish leagues where you get uh, allowed to have a kick at somebody in the early minutes of the game. In the, in the early minutes of the game in Scotland last for the first 20 minutes. Because what was happening, Kent was brought down blatantly with ball at least twice in the first half not even a word spoken to him. Um, and things like that go on through the game. And what, what happens is it creates the, the kind of threshold for what is allowed to go in the game. So it then means that when you do get a fucking tackle like Shinny's, which for me was a red card, probably probably a, a borderline red card, I've got to say right, but it probably was a red card, but just because of the way he went in in Arfield's leg, it could have been a serious injury. Um, because you've then kind of set a threshold of anything goes, that's how you're like heard in that context, whereas if he's kind of laid down the law the doors and said, well, this is, this is what uh, the, the kind of standard is for what I'll allow and what I won't allow, it's a straight red card. So it even goes back to the kind of mouthful that Morelos gave him in the first five, ten minutes. See, if I was a referee or if that's an opposition player, I'd be expecting the referee to fucking pull my say and say, oh, don't we it. You know, put, put your authority on it. So it's not just about Clancy yesterday. This is a for me, it's a wider thing about Scottish refereeing that I think undermines everything that we do in Scottish football in terms of player development, the way we play football, the way we develop players. If you fix Scottish refereeing, I think you go a long way to fixing Scottish football within a generation.
0: Well, we'll come on to the referee. I think kind of once we've done the once we've done the game, because I think there's absolutely talking points on this. Um, Adam, do you see uh, Cosgrove being booked? That's a fair decision. Would you agree with the shinny yellow? Uh,
2: I think Cosgrove, yeah. Um, although for us it's probably a red card, but like I guess that's a that's a different debate. Shinny, I don't think I don't think it's as bad as some of the leg breakers we've seen from say Scott Brown in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, well, probably the same as Andy, borderline. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a red um, on another day, but I felt like it could have went either way on that one. Max Lowe, uh, I think that's that's just handbags really, is it? I don't think, I mean, he, he pushes Arfield on the deck and then Kamara pushes Max Lowe. Um, I think that's handbags, so I don't think really anything, I don't think anything should have been done about those ones personally.
0: Okay. We're now into the closing 50 minutes of the game. And we see yet another um, beautiful display of defending by Rangers. There's a complete strimash in the boxes. Um, Alan McGregor saves superbly from point blank from uh, Considine initially. And then the follow-up shot from McKenna is blocked by Borna Barisic. Rangers are able to clear this. And Kevin Clancy again at this point decides that actually I can still fit in another mistake. As Daniel Candace is running forward, Connor McClellan looks to be able to try and take him out. doesn't have the power or the skill to be able to do so. However, when Candace um, plays the ball, Maria lost. Now, by this stage, is offside. So, I'll come to Adam first on this one. Um, presumably, you were at the game, seeing this, and 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 obviously in live time, did you see that as a clear take one for the team? As you you know, as you were watching it live.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think you're absolutely spot on. That was exactly what I thought. I thought he's he's just going to yeah take one for the team, as you said there. Uh, I can really expand on it. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Andy, you, you would
1: agree? Uh, the game, I didn't actually notice that. I just thought Candace uh, had done him for pace. Um, and if, if the referee had pulled him back and gave him a second yellow, I'd have been quite surprised. Um, but it would have been the right decision. Cause it yeah, was. That,
2: that's what I was going to say. Cammy, should he not? Should he not do that? I know, I know, he's, he's done as a favour by playing playing on, effectively, but. It's, still a f- it's a foul, so we're not expecting to get the foul because he's played on and that's fine and we agree with him playing on. Um, we just made a mess of it, but surely if that's a yellow card, he, he should go back and retros- retrospectively do it.
0: He should stop it straight away as part of the kind of, laws of it. What he should be doing is stop that immediately because he knows he's about to send someone off for a second yellow, so he should have immediately called the foul. But the reason why I was interested was because straight away you've got two different viewpoints. I think Adam, you were saying you saw that, you saw what he was trying to do, and Andy, you had said, no, I didn't see it as that. So even giving Clancy the benefit of the doubt, he probably might think that McLennan is late in him, but when you watch it back, is obviously you'd have the benefit to do. You can see him going in for him, and Condéas somewhat sportingly decides to stay on his feet as he's going forward. And I don't think for a single minute Daniel Condéas has got any idea or any awareness of who it is that's about to tackle him, and therefore he should... Take the dive to or take the hit in order to see a red produced. I think he's obviously trying to play with the game, but I think we'll come back to that because I think, like you say, it's part of that kind of wider conversation regarding some of the referee standpoints.
1: Um, Cammy, Cammy, yes, sir. In my, de- my defence, I was frisbeeing a, a seat, an Aberdeen fan seed at the time.
0: Well, it's hard to see through the flare smoke, Andy. So I just wanted to make sure that you were all right with it. Um, so, we're kind of into the closing stages of the game. We've got some more great plays from uh, Rangers on the counter as well. Alfredo Morelos is hoping that the ball can come through to him a little bit earlier. So, Daniel Condes is hoping the ball can come through to him a little bit earlier. Um, and then the kind of last chance of the game is seeing is Morelos shot blocked from a quite high angle. The ball's difficult to take and he still gets a shot on it. And there's a slight touch of the hand off. I think it's McKenna, but it's very close to his body. Um and that is it. The game the game finishes one all. We we do it all again at Ibrox on Tuesday the twelfth of March. Um boys I've got to assume that like me, you would have taken the draw at half time. Adam, is that fair or is that me being usually pessimistic?
2: No, absolutely. That was as I said, that was one of the worst halves. Um uh, we've seen this season uh, I would have I would have bit your hand off for, for the draw at half time. it maybe feels a little bit different because we came into it so early in the second half at the 49th minute um, it maybe feels like a bit more deflated because we probably had chances to win it I would argue we had just as many good chances as Aberdeen in the second half as you said we were picking them off on the counter but just uh, through our own fault um, just really bad decision making in that, that second half we could have probably had one or two goals even so yeah no I agree with that
0: Andy, did you think that we were unlucky or we got out of jail? What, what was your thoughts at 90 minutes?
1: Um, I, I was glad to get a draw. I, I think I wouldn't say we got out of jail because I think we gave as good as we got in terms of game. It was a, a kind of fairly even cup tie. And as Adam says, I think the chances, if you looked at them, that, that would have been fairly even. But for so, the 60th minute, when I was, I was, saying myself, I'm quite happy here. We're drawing. Take us back to Ibrox. Um so I suppose that's, that's a reflection of how poor we were.
2: I don't think, I, I find it quite unnerving slightly that people are like, oh, we'll get them back to Ibrox and, and we'll sort them out there. Now, obviously we did that against Kilmarnock um, and we played in a way that, that we didn't think we would play. The only thing I'm hoping is that we do that again. Um, but Aberdeen are not a great team, as we know. They're really good defensively. So. I, while it might be a wee missed opportunity that we didn't get one of those goals in the counter, I don't think it's as easy as turning up next Tuesday and expecting them to let us beat them. Um, they've started doing this thing against us in the last couple of games. Andy, it kind of alludes to what you were saying there about we should split the midfield and, and kind of give them an option. Aberdeen are pretty much man-marking us, mm-hmm. the fr- our front six. To a ridiculous level just now they, they literally follow the man around the, the pitch regardless of the area they move into i mean it's fair enough but a half decent team should be able to take advantage of that and i just worry when we get to ibrox they're going to be even more defensive than they were uh yesterday um I, I, and it, it'll pose a bit of a problem i stuck a wee thread up on twitter on friday night uh, talking about how well we've been doing the last couple of games by goals and having the ball and bringing it out and and as you said, Jack and Kamara split the defence and the ball gets played right up to Kent or, or Morelos or Candace and we can turn and move. We need to get back to that for this, this game. There's, there's no two ways about it. This is the biggest game of the season. I know we say that every every cup game, but it's the biggest game of the season and it's a concern for me that we just lapsed back. As soon as we got a wee bit of adversity and that goal down, we just lapsed back into doing what we'd been doing before. Um, The manager kind of didn't really seem to mention it post-match. I don't know if he did any way. He put them to would put them under the bus um, so soon after he had a go at them in the St. Johnson game. I'm not sure, but it's, it's a concern that our default just seems to be that playing within ourselves and then hoping to hit teams in the break. We really need to sort that out for the next the next round.
0: Andy, I want to come back to the point because we talked about obviously Clancy and obviously how strongly you had felt about what was going on with Morelos. So I think looking back at this and doing a bit of a kind of review of the game, Personally speaking, I am pretty stunned that that game finished with no red cards. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a case that you think that with Clancy, who I think was trying to do the whole, you know, two wrongs, make it right, etc., when he's trying to even things up and and, he, and his various other bits and bobs, he took time to settle to get into the game as well. But yet, straight away, Alfredo Morelos, as you say, gets no real quarter gets no real support. It feels very much as if it's very easy to to condemn Alfredo Morelos if you're a referee. Everything is his fault. He doesn't get anything, etc. And then again, like you say from the booking, very straightforward to be able to give it. Now although that we've we've we kind of discussed the McLennan simulation booking um it just feels to me as if Morelos uh is just constant under scrutiny by referees.
1: I don't think Marellis is easy to, uh, referee by any manner of I means, right? I think he's probably a nightmare. I think he's probably constant. But what what I did notice yesterday, and this is apart a from Marellis keeping this, he'd actually to, to stay on the park yesterday. What he's also doing is if he's got a gripe, it isn't shout at the referee like um, there was a, a an episode. I think I can't remember it was an Aberdeen player was doing injured and they've taken his time. It wasn't Mackay even. It was in the, the the Aberdeen half. And anyway... Morales' laugh, fucking time wasting. So instead of going to the ref and making the, the kind of slap his watch uh, gesture, he, he went to Tav, <laughs> says to Tavanier, fuck's sake, about the time wasting. So Tavanier then had to go to the referee to tell him that. So he's obviously learning that he's going to keep his bush shut and he's obviously going to learn that, that referees do not uh, take to him. Um, so so that's a good thing because I think it means he's maturing and I think it means that he's actually. Things on board because he knows that he can't let the team do many more times without a, a bit of retribution, actually. But he, I, I just think he's he's, um, he's judged by, he's refereed to a different standard. Whether it is referees think because he dishes out, he should be able to take it, that's not how it works. It's either a foul or it's not a foul. And when you look at what some players get away with, and I'll use Cosgrove as an example because his, his game is just physicality, same as the mother will say in the halves. When you look at what they guys get away with, um, in the way to center half three-hour uh, strikers. There, there's a definite, a definite difference against Morelos as there is other players, and I don't think it's just me talking through my uh, Union Jacks sunglasses.
0: Adam, there's a conversation about if you, you start to temper Alfredo Morelos' game, if he's on a booking, because it removes attributes which make him such a threat. So the physicality, as Andy alludes to, the the kind of pest that he tends to be as well when he's in and about, you know, players when he he becomes so difficult to, to contain. Um does giving him a book in early doors make the referee's life easier just for the long term? Is it just is it just gonna give him a bit of a kind of right, well that'll shut you up because you're not gonna listen to a verbal warning, so I'll give you a caution. And then that means you're potentially walking a tightrope. Because what watching that yesterday my immediate thought process is, if he gets sent off here, we're absolutely snickered. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's as prescribed as that, really, but that's certainly what happened yesterday. in, in my mind, he, he got that booking. I mean, it's obviously not the referee just, just giving him that to shut him up because it, it was a booking, but it completely dulled his edge. Um, it's the first I've seen it, really, um, noticeably, that, that, that that's happened. Now, we need to caveat it with he was pretty much up there in his own all game. He got next to no support. Um, Aberdeen were obviously taking lumps out of him, as is their, as is their want to do. And, and he probably felt that, given the context of this particular game and that he's been sent off, is it, is it ever? he's been sent off in every game he's played, hasn't he, against Aberdeen this year? So he, he may be just thinking. I really don't need the hassle for this. Um, so he's just played within himself. So I, I don't think referees would deliberately just give him a yellow card for for his first bad challenge to, to shut him up. However, I think it's clear that you just look at the evidence of like yesterday, there was three, four fouls that, that were at best 50-50s um, and at worst clear fouls for him that he just wasn't getting. And you can see how frustrated he gets. So whether it's just a combination of him getting more frustrated and and as I said before, trying to get to the ball first or or going over the top slightly to, to put his physicality out there to make sure that he wins the ball and it doesn't get given as a free kick and it just ends up being that two or three seconds too late and he is very late and he gets a booking. I'm not sure, but it is something that I don't. He's never going to change at this stage, and I, I don't think that the weight of opinion against him at the moment, uh, with what 15 games, 12, 15 games of the season to go, hopefully, is ever going to change. I think we're just going to have to like it and lump it, and and try and protect him as best we can. You see, players pulling him out of the line of duty um, at the Kilmarnock game, where he was in about the. He's in about the goalkeeper um, and you see him getting pulled away by, um, I think it was Malumbu and then Joe Worrell. You see him him yesterday as well, jumping into the the free when Arfield and Kamara are are getting in the second half and he's getting pulled away. He he is going to be that aggressive, argumentative person, but we just need to try and do what we can do to, to manage it. But ultimately, it's up to him. Um, and he's got to find a way to, to play with that edge, but but stay on the right line. As, as Martin says, he needs to be Tyne Castle Morelos, that, that he was um, before Christmas, where he just treaded the line and stuck a toe over it, but but did not go anywhere near it, um, and there was absolutely no danger of him getting sent off. But again, I don't think he got booked in that game, so it helps when you've got that leeway i guess of what of, you know you can be as physical as you want and you've got one challenge in you um if it gets into the second half of games he kind of knows that hopefully he's not going to get sent off but the early one just killed him yesterday yeah
0: and uh, the last time uh, in the scottish cup we drew away from home one one um the the return leg if you will was pretty successful for us in beating command at five now one assumes that it will not be so easy against aberdeen on the 12th of march
1: no, what worries me is the is the league game we had at Ibrokes against Aberdeen because that was a very very frustrating night for us and it was one where we were very critical of the team because we didn't have a solution and and this is where I go back to what I said the other on that if if we're not going to do things we're playing football then you know, you've got to you've got to either have a set play or you've got to have a player that steps outside himself and actually does something and and but I mean in the midfielders like a Jack or. Um, I feel they need, they need to be scoring a goal for outside the box, or, or there, there needs to be somebody pulling out the heart in those kind of games. It's not just a case of let's just keep the ball, if he can or Kent and try and get balls in the box. That invariably against a team at like Aberdeen, you're not going to get much change out of McKenna and Considine and, and Dominic Ball at right back, and kind of so, um, I think so. I would say I'm worried about the game. I think. I think if we play as we have been playing the last three or four games, uh, Aberdeen will be able to live with us. I think the first goal, I think it's, it's obvious and it's a cliche, but the first goal is obviously going to have a bearing on it. Um, because once Aberdeen get their nose ahead, they're very stuffy and they're, and they're basically just forming a compact couple of lines, um, as we've seen uh, at Hamden. But, Listen, we've got the players to beat them uh, and I don't think they're coming to the Glasgow think all oh, great we're going to Ibrox um, this will be an easy game they'll, they'll be worried as well um, I, I, I think we've got to get into the game expecting to win I don't think there's any question about it. Adam because of the
0: idiotic rules regarding obviously showing live football when a Champions League uh, night is on um, the game will be shown, but with obviously a delayed broadcast, so you've got to hope that Ibrox will be full on the 12th of March. You'll take a James
2: Tavenier Patrick trick will you not? Know? Oh, absolutely! That would be that would be brilliant. Um, as I, I agree with what Andy says, they're pretty much. though. I think is a wonderful thing. But as the game played out yesterday, I think it was clear that we probably missed McCrory um, sitting in front of the the, de- the defence. Um, I, I don't blame them for playing Kamara, Arfield, and, and Jack. I think they've they've done so well, uh, in the last two or three games that they should have started. Then Kamara was okay, um, but I think we probably just missed McCrory's little bit more physicality and breaking up that play. Um, they got a decent foothold in midfield and you could argue we never really got back in it in the midfield but yeah I'll gladly take a, a James Tavernier hat trick and he, he turns up in the big games doesn't he so um, hopefully he can get one he can get one in that and it'll be good to get many loss against him as well like Andy said we need to turn up and we need to expect to win the game and we need to play the way that we've been playing um, regardless of opposition that we kind of beat ourselves yesterday Um, I don't know we didn't we didn't lose obviously but we kind of gave them complete impetus in the first half and let them pretty much run all over us and I think although we got the goal back we then sat in and and tried to counter them we need to go out and just finish the game early doors if we can or at least be on the front foot um and just pass around them they're not a good team um they're they're well organized in patches but that man marking thing as I said creates so many problems for them if we can just have a bit of intelligence to, to pass around them um, then we should take a couple of them um, it's just annoying that we they drag us down to their level time and time again
0: um, just as a little word and I think probably just as a bit of a kind of focus on this as well there's obviously been the, the spotlight now turned back on to um, some of the recent fan <laughs> behaviour at games um, Rangers released a statement um, at the weekend and Saturday and um, just talking about the expectations of fan behaviours, we're all ambassadors of the club, et cetera. Um, there was, an, well, two incidents at Easter Road in the Celtic game where um, two bottles were thrown onto the park. That's obviously made headline news. Um, and there was obviously uh, reports of disturbances at Petaudry yesterday. And I suppose, and they'll go with you first, because I know obviously you're home and away Um What can you see us being able to try and do as a a fan base about how do we get rid of some of this negative attention on the game?
1: So, I think that there's, um, again, nothing happens in a bubble. So, you can look at the Rangers support and say, the Rangers support need to do this, need to do that. The Rangers support don't exist in a bubble. Um, I think there's an absolute truth in that what Goes on elsewhere. Unpunished, what goes on elsewhere? Unreported, what goes on elsewhere? Uh, totally blanked has an impact on what happens the Rangers support because Rangers, well, football supporters, not Rangers supporters, football supporters are a big classroom, and <laughs> they will act out. They will uh, come back They will, they will, they will do things if they think they'll get away with it. And I think what a lot of time is. Things have happened in the past, I'm not just talking about recently, I'm talking about going back years and years, and we see them happen, and we see nothing happen, and then there's a kind of mindset, well, we'll fucking sing the Billy Boys in because Hubs fans can run on the park and, and attack our players, and, and nobody even says a word about it, their, their own chairman comes out and calls it exuberance, uh, politicians say not a word. So so what I'm trying to say here is there's a cause and effect that if you want football supporters or the Rangers support to to act in a certain manner, then um, you need to actually start treating all football supporters the same. So you need to, I mean, I I wrote a couple of notes before I came on because I had so much to say about it, and I'm not going to bore you to death, but if you're in an environment where a, a, a newspaper or a television channel can't even say the word Celtic fans when it's Celtic fans have done something, then there's your starting point because what you've got is you've got a, a, a information war going on. Who's got the worst support? Who's to blame here? Um Rangers fans can do a lot for themselves. I think I think there needs to be a realisation for once and for all that the use of the word is by you can not say it. I know what a means. We all know what a means, but the use of it in the context of a football song it's indefensible now. It can't be used, you will not get away with it, you'll get uh, the club into trouble as you will with theft, fuck the Pope and everything else. It's just, you can't do it. If, you're, if you still want to argue that case, with me, please crack on, but you're, you're no, uh, realising what way the wind's blowing. And I don't think that's me being a hand-wringer. I don't think that's me being an apologist. I think that's me just being absolutely real. Um, it, that, that's the starting point for me, if you want to ask what the Rangers support could do. Cut that out, and then you, you do have the right to take a wee bit of the moral high ground in.
0: Adam, there's a point, and I totally agree with Andy here in terms of obviously where there's add-ons to certain things as well and phrases and terminology, which I think we've got to now leave behind us. However, um, exactly as Andy says, that has to be unilateral. And I think for me, at least, there's two main barriers to that. Um, We can absolutely bring our support into line because I believe that we can behave in a fair and responsible manner. But it's unfair to do so whilst... Other fans, for want of a better term, get away with language, songs, banners, phrasing, uh, which is seen as anti-Rangers, um, without any kind of form of repercussion, even from their own club, much less the football and authority. But there's also an argument to say that whilst Rangers fans and Celtic fans and Hibs and Hearts and whoever else as well are going through this, um, focus there only seems to be one club that seems to constantly be involved as part of the headlines from certain media outlets. So it's a bit cart before horse or chicken, egg, etc. Do you feel that at this point that we've got to step our game up and then apply the pressure elsewhere? Does does someone, whether it's the SFA, the Justice whoever, come out and actually say, no, we are going to treat all fans of all clubs with the same spiel?
2: I think there needs to be there needs to be something that comes out from the top I think it absolutely needs to be unilateral as you've said it's a it's a football and society wide issue it's not just rangers it's not just celtic um it happens all around the country I can't really see any better than, than both of you have said I think you've absolutely nailed it but it, it does need to come from the top I think we can do a, an element of self policing but realistically um at a game like yesterday um I don't know how I don't know how viable that is um, to to try and self police. It would need to be you, you can't do it. I don't think Andy. I, I don't know if you if you agree or disagree with that. I, I don't think it's the the right option for for self policing. I also don't think strict liability um, is not the way to go either. There, there needs to be some common sense applied to it. With regards to oh will they do it, so we should be allowed to do it as well. It's a wee bit of a juvenile argument for me. I get that we're not batting. I get that we're kind of at a disadvantage and as you said, it's football fans rather than Celtic fans. I think there's an element that we can get our house in order but I don't think we should be letting us, letting us letting the support run riot just because another team does it as well. I think there needs to be a balance there that I don't think we're too far away from. I don't think we're, we're terrible. Um, I, I think we've made loads of improvements certainly in the last what, 10, 15 years or so. I, I think we, we could do more but other teams can do a lot more if you ask me.
1: So I, I, I totally agree, Adam. I, what, I, I think we should we should actually clean up our act, regardless of what other clubs and other supports are doing. That, that is my position, right? But I think the reality is that you, you don't because you'll have fairly big swaths of the, the support that say, "Well, I'm not fucking it because they get away with this and they get away oh, exactly. with that."
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So so that that's my kind of point. But just just in yesterday, right? And and I, of course the Rangers fans are getting sick and rightly so because of the well at least one seat get ripped to it and flung right, which is it's just unacceptable. You can't have that. What I would like to point out is that, you see, yesterday at Pododry, obviously a lot of spare, spare seats in, in Aberdeen End, a lot of spare seats. So why, in the name of fuck, can there not be an extended segregation on that um, end of the ground? Because... The fact that I've I've been right on that fence, right. Uh, unfortunately, the first game back up in the Premier League we had under Warburton, I was right on that fence, and it was terrible. It was there was coins coming over there was pies, there was spittle. It was just ninety minutes of pure abuse. And if you'd move them, the supporters and made a, a whatever I don't know on our, on our feet uh, explosion zone, like any normal police police were worth their salt would do. That takes a lot of the sting out of that yesterday. And you're not going to get somebody throwing a, a, a seat and you're not going to get a flare right next to us. So I think uh, there's a lot of talk about who takes responsibility. This isn't a strictly a football thing. This is a policing thing. The police are fucking hopeless, right? We've seen it since the, Ham, the Hamden Cup final where the police were outside and they didn't even know there was a riot going on outside and we are walking out the ground saying, by the way, there's a riot in there. In the are like, what do you mean? So the policing is absolutely abysmal. I think the security at football grounds is absolutely abysmal. I think the communication between the club security and the foo- uh, football uh, the police is absolutely abysmal because I've wrote more letters to chief and superintendents than ever in my life. I think there's a major problem that is not just down to fans. It is not just down to football clubs. I think the police actually have to take the responsibility. And I think the, the current push for new legislation is a farce because as far as I can tell, it's illegal to throw a seat. First of all, it's illegal to rip it out and then throw it. So why do we need legislation to cover that? Um, and, and by the by, why does a guy like James Dornan have to be the one that everybody's quite happy to allow to hold their reins on it? I mean, that in itself undermines the whole entire conversation that we're having here. Because if you're trying to tell I me mean, that we're going to follow the we'll lead of a guy like him, you can forget it. I'll be singing the Billy Boys and tap me bus seat. So I think there needs to be some realisation that there's a wider um, responsibility that Disney just fall in the Rangers board or the Rangers support. The police are there to do a job and they need to start doing it.
0: Does that also include then bringing it closer to home Andy? Clubs like Aberdeen inspecting and refusing to let in banners talk about Alfredo Morelos, his mother?
1: Right, we'll see that. I mean, there, there, there's a normally I'd laugh that off and say, right, banter. But what we've seen is we had a similar banner a couple of weeks ago for, for Stevie Clark, which you can either argue either way. It was bad taste, or banner, or whatever. I thought it, I thought it was funny, right? Probably not the best thing for the club, but at the same time, it was it was on the edge banter. Um, I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but again, it's all about context. If you're going to report and make the the, the week's news about our banner, and what we were saying about Stevie Clark, but then at the same time you turn a complete blind eye to it, a foreign language banner calling a foreign player or telling them that he's Moza Hura, but whatever it was, this is a double standard that actually gives people and their support the kind of idea, well, fuck them, if they can get away with it, we'll get away with it. Now, that's no right, but that's what happens. So they need yeah. to understand the psyche of an average football fan um, and understand that they need to actually do it across the board And you need to make sure that it's a level playing field and you need to exclude arseholes like James Dorman because he is a proven bigot. (laughs) So don't talk to us about this until you can actually come to the table with sensible plans and with the right people in place with the right intentions.
0: Well, we'll have to see, obviously, what will develop out the back of this, because it'll be interesting to see, as Andy said, the progression of it and who's going to be involved in it. Right, okay, boys. Well, listen, we've had a great chat um, and we've covered, obviously, a lot of detail. Um, so, just to, to finish up uh, as part of our usual segment here on the flagship show, um, we have got our Hearts of the Week um, that is dedicated after John Harpsen about who has made um, the biggest hoo-ha of themselves uh, across the, the sporting model within the last few days. Um, John himself has almost been, a- been able to known himself as a prime contender for his own awards because... Uh, just uh, a few short hours before Brendan decided to move down south. He did say that Celtic was Roger's dream job and he would never leave it. Um, and on the Wednesday, he went down to watch his new club, Leicester, winning away. So, um, looking to be able to try and see, boys. I'm the adjudicator this week. I can host the Davy Edgar role, so I don't have one. Um, Adam, who would you like to nominate as your John Harpson of the week?
2: So I'm not going to go Scottish football, I'm not even going to go British, I'm going to go French and I'm going to have Mario Balotelli, I don't know if either of you seen this uh, last night, cry. fucking hell, <laughs> he um, scored uh, 11 minutes into the into the game, it was actually a really good volley, um, kind of standing volley, he did, he did very very well, only his fourth goal of the season so he's probably got, potentially got a cheek to be celebrating it, however... Clearly pre-planned, which is even sadder, As he scores a goal and then he runs to I think as a cameraman or an analyst right at the edge of the pitch. Takes his phone off him. I was actually watching it. He, he pretty much takes his phone off him and just clicks Instagram and then goes live. There's, there's not even an element of logging in or anything. So he's obviously placed that <laughs> he's obviously placed that phone there. Um and logged in already. Think he's going to score, and he's got some poor some poor smuck following on from one end of the pitch to the other, and the hope that he scores, and then he does a live uh, a live video of his celebration. I just thought that was, I, I thought I think Balotelli is good value, but that particular one I just thought was absolutely tragic. So I'm going to nominate him.
0: Yes, I did I did see this. Um, I, I don't have Instagram that I would use so religiously. I didn't see the actual video footage of it being able to get put on, but yeah, I think. The reports are, yeah, it was all pre-planned with some guy who had Balotelli's phone and he could just immediately give him access to it had he scored. Um, different, but I, I think you could always use that word with Mario Balotelli. Um, okay, Andy, what have you got to compete against uh, the the crazy mentalist Balotelli?
1: Um, so, uh, as you probably gathered from the way my, my voice was wobbling there during my rant about Supporters' behaviour and strict liability and all that crap. Uh, I'm picking Jonathan Sullivan, Mr. Scene. Um basically because if you take, can I embody the the current BBC attitude towards Rangers, it would be him. Uh, and more than that, he gets right in my touch because he's wee skinny fat jumpers and he's tap button <laughs> and uh, that fucking easily voice. And he's turning into a Wee Virtue signaler on Twitter, he's retweeting everything he can find, and he hates banners that are nasty to Steve Clark, and uh, it's just annoying me really, really badly. And I don't know. One other thing for, for, for years I've thought he reminds me of something, I can't remember what it is. And I've I've finally realized the other day what it is. If you've ever seen the, the kind of animated movie Ants, that's with a Z A N T Z, he looks like the wee ants in it, he looks like a cartoon ant. <laughs> and um I every time I see him see a picture a cartoon aunt talking to me next to Stevie Thompson and Michael Stewart and it don't there's some some kind of there's going to be some credit to him for being a bigger walloper than they two, because they two sit there like fucking as if they're the, the gods of football man was a man United was there for god knows how long another man was a journeyman Scottish centre, uh, centre forward so Jonathan Sutherland is my heart's another week
0: I will um, give a little shout out to, to sports scene I think it was last week's where um, they decided and um, I, I can't applaud this enough to not give Michael Stewart a microphone um, so he was talking and obviously you he couldn't hear anything that he was saying and the best thing about this was sports scene which was obviously always recorded and edited etc as well um, albeit with I would, I would assume pretty short time frames. Didn't decide to have him start that but again. They actually just broadcast the fact that he didn't have a microphone and that they had bollocksed up and then the next segment was shown and then he then all of a sudden has been mic'd up. Um, but I've got to a- applaud the fact that Sports Scene allowed that to go because it's just a rip-roaring arse of a production. And um, yeah. Um, I, Adam, I'm sorry, I can't go against... Jonathan Sunderland, it's not I won't lie, Andy didn't make a great case but as soon as he said it, it felt like the winner to me uh, it's, like
2: multiplying, uh, it's like multiplying by zero you can't, pick, you can't pick somebody for sports and not expect to win, so I'm fine with that
0: Yeah, okay, grand. Ne- next, next time you're on you can pick uh, Stevie Thompson or in that case, Scott McDonald who was on last night equally valuable in terms of footballing insight um okay well listen that's it for heart and hand this week um if you've enjoyed what you've heard today and want to hear some more stunning content please feel free to check out our patreon site on patreon.com forward slash heart and where you can get up to five shows a day across a variety of content relating to rangers football home and abroad and also much much more the last thing for me to do this week is to thank your executive producers in london mr mike lee mr paul myers More importantly, my two fabulous guests today who have pulled me right out of the hole. Uh, First of all, Mr. Adam Thornton.
2: Cheers, guys. Pleasure.
1: Um, And Mr. Andy McGowan. Thanks, Cammy. I feel much better getting all that off my chest now
0: thank you for the, the therapy session um, the the pod overlord uh, Mr Edgar hopefully will be touching base in the UK within the next 24 hours and likely will be with you on Heart and Hand Extra show on Thursday so that's all from us this week and thanks so much Bears, have a great week uh, and enjoy the football on Friday, thanks all, bye bye <laughs>